0: Star Wars Summit by Summit, episode 2,551. So there was a bit of a shift, as it were. Spinner Sunday would have happened normally on Sunday, but, yeah, you know, life happens. And so here we are with the Spinner Monday episode instead, and I'm talking about the final story in the first wave of the High Republic story arcs, and this is the one about the High Republic adventures, which features a young Yoda. Punch it. <laughs> I'm Alan Voivod, and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy, and thank you so much for joining me for it. So, The High Republic Adventures is the comic that is, in theory, targeted at younger audiences and comes out from a company called IDW. There are five issues in the very first story arc of the whole High Republic Adventures and what basically constitutes Wave 1. This is the last story of the whole Wave 1 stuff that we haven't talked about yet and it actually ends up playing into Wave 2, as it turns out, although I think I'm not really supposed to tell you why, because Wave 2 officially doesn't really kick off until tomorrow with the release of The Rising Storm and Race to Crash Point Tower. I will say, though, that... As has been pointed out by Lucasfilm Publishing in other outlets and other places, you don't necessarily have to read all the stories to fill everything in. The Rising Storm tells a perfect story just by itself without having the context that some of the events of The Higher Public Adventures would bring to it, but that being said, if you are of a completist mindset, if you will, or if you're just curious about <laughs> some of those details, then you know we can talk about some of that here. Now as opposed to the High Republic series from Kevin Scott from Marvel, the High Republic Adventures from Daniel Jose Older from IDW doesn't have this arc doesn't have one you know title for the arc itself. Instead just the issues themselves are named Collision Course, Brylanax City SmackDown, excuse me, uh, Starlight and The Mountain, and finally Showdown on the Junk Moon. Now, this story begins, as many of the Wave 1 stories do, with Fallout from the Great Disaster, from that hyperspace incident where parts of the broken ship just started popping out of hyperspace in random places all over the galaxy, and in this case, it's the Trimant system, and it's going to rain debris down on one particular planet TriMet 4 which is the place where this Bralnac city is and it is the you know the population center of the planet like more people there than anywhere else And the story initially starts by framing two particular characters. Lula Talasola, who is our Jedi Padawan hero, the main character, if you will, of this arc, and Zine Morala, who is a resident on this planet, and who has apparently, for some reason, been moving from planet to planet for unknown reasons over the years, and thought that this was the place she could, you know, be at home more than any other she's been traveling with you know some sort of you know unusual like commune or something but they talk about them not having familial relationships or them not being that strong between parents and kids and that it's really more between elders and acolytes and that kind of went ding 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 for me the whole you know, use of the word acolyte because of course of leslie headland's series the acolyte which is in development right now and that is going to be something that ties in to the higher Republic and somebody discovering sith type stuff and there is a moment where a zine does something very dark sidey at the end of this story arc so already the brain goes hmm is this a candidate for who the titular acolyte is but we're jumping ahead a little bit so Lula and the rest of the Padawans on this ship, the Starhopper, are supposed to be seeing the galaxy and learning about being a Jedi and not being thrust into the battle, but as things happen, as they do in the Star Wars galaxy, they are thrust into conflict, and they're under the tutelage of Master Yoda and also Master Torben Buck, who is the... (laughs) the personification, if you will, of the urban legend buckets of blood that Daniel Jose Older has talked about in various interviews and also here on this show on Star Wars 7x7 about this, you know, sort of... uh, Oh, gosh. I mean, I I think urban legend covers it in the world of New York City ambulance drivers when he was working in that field many years ago. And so... (laughs) That's very fun to see that brought into actual, you know, comic life with Torben Buck. But despite the fact that he's yelling, buckets of blood is on the scene, he's also, you know, not a fighter. He's a healer and has to tell Yoda in the middle of the battle, "Um, I'm not a fighter. I'm here to be delivering basic first aid training to the Jedi and, you know, he still kind of has to figure out how to deal with the situation because not only are they having to stop the debris from destroying the main city on Triment 4, but the Nile are also there for a very sketchy reason. It turns out that whatever this, you know, this commune situation, there's a council of elders and the leader of the council of elders is this guy Elder Tromac and the Nile and specifically Marcian Ro, Marcian Ro or Marcian Markian Ro is here and depicted in this comic and he's after Tromac because Tromac has knowledge of some ancient relic that has been split in two and hidden in disparate places across the galaxy and Markian Rowe wants this information because he thinks it's going to change the course of the galaxy forever and I'll just say that after having read the rising storm he's not wrong but (laughs) You know, that's that's all about to break tomorrow. So let's focus on Zine, who is part of this, you know, commune situation, but they are supposedly trained not to trust Force users and not to trust the Jedi whatsoever, but she has Force abilities, and in order to save a bunch of people, she has to put those Force abilities on display, which splinters the closest relationship she has with a peer. This is a character named Krix, who is also part of this commune, and it drives them apart. And so the story begins by talking about Lula having a secret Lula Talasola, Jedi Padawan who, you know, is top of her class and everything, but basically is suffering from kind of an imposter syndrome, like she's not ready for this and doesn't feel like she can do what's being asked of her and then you have zine who has been harboring a secret and that is that she feels the force but that she's been supposed to keep it under wraps and never reveal it to anyone for the rest of their life and well Yeah, Zine's secret is revealed and Lula is put in a position where she has to perform and despite her misgivings, you know, is able to help save people on Triment 4 and bring Zine back into their family to some degree. There are conversations about the fact that Zine apparently can't be trained as a Jedi because she's too old, but they are somehow going to, you know, like, let her stay with the Jedi on Starlight Beacon and be at least made aware of her abilities in the force and learn to use them for good. I guess she's not allowed to be a Jedi, but they can give her some sort of training to help her, you know, master her skills at some level and also keep her on the light side of the force at least and be an unaffiliated light side force user, if you will. But from the initial two issues, which have to do with the events on Trimant 4 and the Nihil then escaping, having taken this elder Tamra, or... Tromac with them. And also Crix, actually. They grab Crix as well because Crix apparently is somehow an assistant to the Elder. Well, that then turns the story to being you know, driven mainly by the fractured relationship between Zine and Crix and how the Jedi are going to ask Zine for help in figuring out what Markeon Rowe is up to and how uh, on Rowe is going to ask Crix for help in taking down the Jedi. And the story takes a couple of twists and turns and Daniel Jose Older gets to bring his monster love in with a battle amongst an arena full of bogaranths, which are these, you know, enormous sort of, you know, dinosaur looking like things that leave slime trails when they're hungry and they have four eyes and like just heads with sort of undifferentiated features and are really terrible, (laughs) and then something else, called a savrip, which happens in the showdown on the Junk Moon. The Junk Moon is a planet, or a moon, excuse me, called Quanti, Q-U-A-N-T-X-I, you know, fingers crossed on the pronunciation, which is a moon of Ord Mantell. So we're back on Ord Mantell again, which is just fascinating to see how often this planet is coming up in Star Wars storytelling these days. And the story basically ends with you know the Jedi and the Nihil not destroying each other. Surprise, surprise. And you know it's certainly through no lack of effort by Crix, who does play along with the Nihil's plan, and Zine, who you know does not really play along with the Jedi's plan, but unwittingly leads the Jedi to where the Nihil are, and so ultimately creates an opportunity for the Jedi to get to the Nihil and Marquion rowe, which ultimately doesn't pan out the you know, thing that kind of you know seemed a little odd to me was that the Nile kidnapped this elder traumac guy to get information about this ancient relic that they split into and hid all you know all you know over heck and gone and the, ultimately like Tromac says like I can't give you that information like we're only supposed to pass it on to you know the next person who leads the council of elders and Markionor says all right off to the bogaranth you know f- battle arena with you and while both he and this kid Cricks are being marched to the battle arena Cricks says um, you know maybe you should tell me where the thing is so that way if you die then the information doesn't die away and Tromac goes Yeah, that's probably a good idea. So here's where you find this piece. And I'm like, that was easy for somebody who's supposed to be keeping this a secret like I mean it was there was no persuasion whatsoever other than you know maybe a second person should know and then later on in the series traumac is like yeah I've told too many people this already but you know but hey Yoda like as somehow Tromac actually survives everything that happens um, yeah I'll tell you but I'm gonna take you there and you have to agree to leave like tracking and comlinks, links and you know not have anything with you for it and so you know Yoda's like yeah why would I do that and the guy says well we actually have met before many many years ago on a planet called Dalna and Yoda goes Dalna oh that's interesting all right I'll consider it and then at the end of the story arc we're left with a cliffhanger where Yoda and this Traumat guy are going to the planet where one of the pieces of this ancient relic is supposedly hidden, and as they arrive in the system there are mines in orbit and their ship is hit by the mines and so there's an explosion. We don't know what's happened to Yoda. The rest of the Jedi and the Padawans don't know what's happened with Yoda or where he is. All he's left them is a note saying, hey, I gotta go do this, I'll be back eventually. And so they're like, okay, well, whatever. Meanwhile, Markeon Rowe is already down on the planet with Crix and gets this missing piece that he's looking for. And that does not bode well for anyone whatsoever. And something that made a minor stir on social media not too long ago is the fact that Marcheon Rowe actually, you know, starts to treat Crix like he could be, you know, somebody who is valuable to the Nihil someday and gives him an old helmet, but in the process takes off his own helmet. And so we actually get our first look at what Markeon Rose's face actually looks like underneath the mask, underneath the helmet. And I will say it's not remarkable in the sense that it's humanoid in feature, but it doesn't really tell us anything about his origins. So yeah, it's not... Uh, you know marked or you know otherwise um, uh, you know have any features that are you know unusual or identifying in any particular fashion so yeah we don't really learn much of anything other than oh that's what his face looks like and it is uh, definitely a human humanoid like face and so Crix is seemingly on his way to be a little protege of Markian Rowe. We'll see how that goes. Probably not very well for him yet (laughs) knowing how Markian Rowe operates. And as far as just the overall series, like seeing a young Yoda, which is a 700 year old Yoda, is actually refreshing and there's just, the art by Harvey Tolibao is just tremendous in that regard. Like you can see a younger Yoda here. It's just, you know, you feel a vitality in him that, wasn't necessarily present in the prequels, per se and the dialogue written by Daniel Jose Older also feels fresh too and you know that's for Yoda and also for Torben Buck and for all the Padawans as well like there's some you know good repartee and yeah it has a newness to it that you know I just I love like there's an energy and a vibrance to it that you know is a little bit different from other Star Wars storytelling that I've read so you know just it's really very cool and so yeah it's it's well done whether it's you know 100% necessary Ugh. yeah I mean you know on the one hand sure it is because you want to read everything if you can if you can if you're of a mind to do so but you know is it necessary to understand the broader picture of what's going on in the higher republic not necessarily it does just fill in some interesting details and hints at a very bad situation that is about to happen <laughs> and is going to be revealed fully and completely tomorrow when The Rising Storm and Race to Crash Point Tower are officially available. And that's where we're going to leave things right now. And that's going to do it then for this episode two. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always. And may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be